0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Pickup. This is your host, Dan. I'm here with my co-host, Ben, and we're going to break down the 2021 NBA draft for you guys and what was a busy Thursday night in the NBA with Russell Westbrook officially joining the Los Angeles Lakers. Trade becomes official on Thursday, but it was announced um, by Adrian Wojnowski and Shams. So we'll break down the details of that trade, how it affects the Lakers, um, but we're going to kick it off by starting with the NBA draft and breaking down the top three picks for you guys. So, Ben, um, obviously we have to start with Cade Cunningham. What do you think about the pick? Um, What do you think about his fit with Detroit and what he can do for that roster?
1: I mean, for the fit-wise, I think Cade would have gone perfect anywhere. He's just like the prototypical player that you want to build your team around. I mean, I think what stands out for me is like Detroit now has a face. I mean, Cade, uh, he was first in NCA and his conference and clutch scoring for this season. So I think, like, you have a guy now. So I think that's, like, important, like, not just for this draft itself, but for Detroit's, like, immediate future. Like, even if he struggles, has some, like, rookie responsibility because I'm sure he's going to have a lot on his plate in Detroit, um, even though they do have, like, a nice little corner with Isaiah Stewart, Jeremy Grant, and Sadiq Bey. Uh Cade, I think, I think he's like the perfect prospect for this team. I think whoever got number one was probably going to go that way. So it would have been a great draft grade for either team that won this lottery. But he's just, he's a prototypical win. He can score. He can play make for his teammates. He looks like he makes his team better. Um, so I'm really excited to see what he's like in the NBA.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I think Cade is really, like you said, the prototypical win that, everyone is kind of looking for nowadays like he's a guy that can do everything he's similar in the mold to LeBron with like he can play defense he can rebound he can assist similar to Luca, like same thing Luca's not an incredible defender but he's not a net negative on that end either Um, same thing playmaking is incredible rebounding Um, and not saying that Kate is going to get to that level I think he he definitely has the potential to eventually reach that point Um, if he really hits all of his boxes and and can make that kind of impact but I won't full-on compare him to those two right now it's just his kind of player mold um, is similar to those two guys two guys that you kind of think of when you talk about him so and I totally agree with you I think Cade would have been the number one pick um, no matter who got here it was interesting how Detroit kind of held out for a little bit before making it official but you know doing their due diligence this was a super deep top three um, just a deep draft in general so got to respect them for you know, really prioritizing their their work and, and making sure to look into each of these guys. But I think Kate Cunningham, you had to pick Kate Cunningham here. So makes the roster so much interesting. I've told told you this, but it's like LaMelo with Charlotte too. It instantly makes Detroit more watchable from just a marketing standpoint too. Like you, you look at that and you're like, wow, I got to watch Kate Cunningham play tonight. I get to watch this guy go off. And um, it will be really nice to see how he kind of adjust the rest of the roster killing Hayes can maybe be a secondary ball handler. Now, um, Sadiq Bay, again, like you mentioned, had a great rookie year, same with Isaiah Stewart. So I think, um, and obviously with Jeremy Grant there looked like a good number one option. So it's not like Cade's going into like a really, really bare team. They had some like nice pieces there. They obviously were, were not very good last year, but I think the addition of Cade really, really makes that roster the rest of the roster intriguing.
1: Don't be surprised if, like, with you mentioning Charlotte, don't be surprised with that playing tournament still there. Like, if we maybe see like Detroit flirt with that, like, the East is pretty bad, like, still, there probably will be again next year. So, that bottom half, you could probably see that eight to 10, 12 range kind of within striking distance. And I wouldn't be like completely shocked if Cade improves them enough to kind of get them within some kind of reasonable, uh, grasp there, that one of those playing spots they they wanted to Detroit won some really good games against good teams last year they just could not put together a consistent season but like you said they have like a few intriguing pieces it looks like they're getting guys that are like high character guys and hard workers and now K just kind of adds on to that so whether or not they make that improvement like Charlotte did with LaMelo this year after that draft or not, they can get another player next year. It might be better for them if they're not that good. But grabbing Kate in this draft is huge.
0: Yeah, he's your cornerstone. And like you said, Detroit was was still – like they beat some tough teams. And they have a great coach in Dwayne Casey. So we'll see how he can kind of build that roster. But Detroit knocked out of the park with this pick. A, A-plus, whatever you want to give it. Um, they got their franchise centerpiece. So good for them came away huge winners in this draft. Um, let's move on to the next one, though, Ben. Talk about Jalen Green and his fit on the Rockets.
1: Yeah, I mean, to be honest, uh, I didn't know much about Jalen, especially with him being in that G League. He just didn't get that much limelight playing, uh, going that route. But, like, being in that competition, playing for the G League night, you're playing against, like, NBA-capable guys. And that dude's athleticism just stands out, like, already on that stage. and. For Houston to lose James Harden, and now that trade is looking worse and worse. The more we look at it after their return in this season, because we really thought Oladipo and Wall might be able to at least get them close to playoff contention, along with Christian Wood, and just injuries just tore that apart. But getting Jalen Green here, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. I know they want that Harden replacement. I'm not going to like say he can do that, uh, but having him and Kevin Porter Jr. who like I know you'll talk more on Dan I'm sure like just to see that backcourt like paired together like that's gonna be super fun especially like we'll see how John Wall works out in that picture but the scoring ability of Jalen Green and KPJ like this dude is so athletic like I I swear he's gonna be on Center like probably close to weekly especially with that fast break and the pace those guys are gonna play at and then even if they're in some like blowout games, he'll probably get some leakouts where he can just throw out whatever highlight he wants to. But I'm really excited to see. He'll probably have to put on some more muscle, but I think this kid is going to be one of like the big highlights in the league quickly.
0: No, I completely agree with you. Um, instantly in the G League, like you said, obviously didn't get as much attention as like the top college players coming out. Um, that could be due to just like national coverage, right? And and not getting on a stage like, say, March Madness or or things like that. But Jalen Green was, without a doubt, an incredible prospect. And in maybe some other years that didn't have a Kate Cunningham could have gone number one too because he has legit um, scoring leader potential, like scoring leader for your team, but also could one day, if he hits it, his potential could uh, lead the league in scoring. He's just like that explosive. Um, He's that skilled. And like you said, I think... The fit with him and, and Porter Jr., who who seems seemed really open to the idea of adding a guy like Jalen Green in the first place, whether you watch them post on social media or, or respond to comments about it. And Porter Jr. is a really underrated playmaker. I think he kind of illustrated that a lot when he got to Houston, kind of expand his game a little bit. But if he kind of takes on more of a point guard role... I think the fit with green is going to be, going to be easy. Like Porter jr. Can be more of a secondary scorer. Green can kind of be your go-to guy. Obviously this is assuming John wall eventually gets traded. If once these two guys kind of get to start together, but um, yeah, I, I love, love the pick by the Rockets, you know um, again, like a, you could have made the case for Evan Mobley here too, who who was the, the best big in the class. And um, a lot of people thought he was the number two big, but I don't blame the Rockets for taking Jalen green here super super high upside um and I'd probably give this an A as well I think these top three picks though are are, are probably going to be similar grades from us (laughs) because it's hard and it's hard not to like either of these or any of these prospects at the top
1: yeah and I think just like you said too like fit wise like it just makes sense like Cade with Detroit like they just made the right pick like he was going number one they didn't do anything different so it's like he did the right thing It's an easy decision. You're still going to get an A for that grade, like that pick. And then Jalen Green, like, I don't think Houston could kind of pass up on a guy that could provide, like, a scoring punch close to a Harden. I'm not going to say, because Harden set historic records as far as scoring 30-plus in games. So I'm not going to say, like, that. But like you said, he has potential to be a number one scoring guy. And then you already have Kevin Porter Jr. who at the end of the season there dropped like a 50 point near triple double or triple double.
0: 50 point triple double against Milwaukee. Right. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So you have two guys there that can just go out and get buckets now. And Kristen Wood is still there. So, uh, they got three really really fun guys to watch they might not win a lot of games in the west but they're definitely a more fun 2k team now
0: so. <laughs> yeah i was gonna say leak pass team 2k team they'll be they'll be on some highlights for sure and and they'll for they'll be fun to watch i totally agree with you um let's jump up. let's jump down then to the the third pick um evan mobley to cleveland um, what are your initial takeaways here
1: my my first thought is just what's next with Jared Allen. I guess um, Cleveland, you know, they got third in the lottery. I think they were. T- I don't think anyone else was in consideration here. I think whoever was left out of K, Jalen, and Mobley, I think was who Cleveland was going to take. And I think that was made obvious when when they didn't want to trade out of the pick. So, I've seen some comparisons on Mobley. I remember watching when that tournament game uh, against the Ducks were you know, Oregon was coming off that high, just beating Iowa, and then Mobley. I mean, that guy just changed the game. Like he didn't even make that game a competition. I mean, his his impact didn't even. It might not even show that massive in the box form on defense, like he made everything impossible for that Ducks team. So, I think it's really intriguing to see him, especially with Cleveland having those two smaller guards right now, and Darius and Colin, who I both really, really like. We'll see what happens with um, the whole section drama, but. To see Mobley there, and I think Cleveland likes his potential to be able to run with Allen. But, I mean, this guy is just – he's lengthy. I mean, he'll probably have to put on more muscle if Cleveland actually wants to put him at the center position, like, long-term. But, like, right now, this dude just has instinct. He works hard, like, 7'4", winspan. I mean, 2.9 blocks a game last year. I think just next year, like – Level, He's just going to do, like, all the little things. He won't be asked too much in Cleveland, especially scoring-wise, just because of Sexton and Garland there. But I think Cleveland's got, like, a cornerstone now, and it's going to be fun to watch because he's definitely a modern-day big.
0: Cleveland finally got their their franchise centerpiece, and that's no, no harp on on Sexton or Garland or, or even guys like Okoro or Allen. They're all like really great young players. Um, Sexton, I mean, was in consideration for an all-star spot for for a little bit of the year before the Cavs started kind of going on losing streaks. So um, all those guys are really talented. Obviously, like I'm a fan of the team. So um, I like all those young players, but Mobley just has the next level kind of potential that Cleveland has kind of been missing from that core. And I really like the fit. And I was kind of surprised to see Mobley fall to three. Like we just kind of touched on, he was the consensus two for a little while, I think, but Houston kind of being enamored with, with being able to add another high profile win after the Harden trade. And and like I said, I, I won't harp on him for Jalen Green going to, because it's not like he didn't deserve it. All three of these guys probably could have been in contention for the number one pick. Um, And Mobley didn't even work out for the Cavs or the Rockets. He only worked out for the Pistons. So (laughs) he thought he should have gone number one. So you know what I mean? Like he's that kind of talent. Um, The crazy stat I I read too is he's the first player since Anthony Davis to win like his conference freshman of the year, conference defensive player of the year, and conference player of the year. So he swept the Pac-12 in all the accolades. Like you said, he made a tremendous impact on that USC team. I do think he can run with with Allen, like you said. I think he's maybe a little too skinny right now to play the five full time. Um, I'd be really intrigued to see him at five in certain lineups, maybe when Allen's kind of getting some rest, um, because he did show floor spacing ability. Um, we'll see how that three point shot translates, but I'm super high on this pick. Like he he's just like a, he's a soft spoken, but he's a hard-working kid, and I think he'll fit right in with that group. And I and I think he. He really rounds out that roster now. They got a really nice, like especially if Allen is resigned, I'm assuming he will be because he's a restricted free agent. Um, but they got a really intriguing piece at at every single position now on that roster. So love the pick by the Cavs. Um, and like you said, they just picked the best player available here. Did, they weren't really thinking too, they weren't worrying too much about it. And I don't blame them because this top three was really nice. So they just were fortunate to grab again a, just a really good prospect in Evan Mobley. I think he's going to be a great, great player in the league
1: yeah i'm really intrigued to see what he does i think initially they're at the gates he's especially if he does play with Allen, just to space the floor a little bit more um but like with some pick and pop potential maybe just slipping on some screens and getting some easy buckets that way i know last year he only averaged like 0.71 points per post-up possession uh so that was only like 29th percentile as far as the the college scoring goes but so he's definitely got room to grow, but I think that comes with like time. I don't know how much USC actually used them in the post last year. Um, just being honest, not I didn't watch a ton of their games, but um, I mean, if you could see him get footwork down, down low, like, like an Anthony Davis or like an MB or like a Jokic, like if, if he can develop that, like, then you're talking like next level. So once he gets those post works and like the game slows down, cause I think out in transition, this kid's going to be like incredible especially like running just running down the lane and jared allen looked really good so that's gonna be two big threats just running the floor for cleveland there but once he can get in that like half court and score in the half court like then you're gonna really see this kid's like full potential
0: yeah and i think he has the potential to to show and illustrate a little bit more of that in the in the modern like kind of spaced out nba too than he did in college like we've seen that with a lot of bigs that come out like um one of the prime examples is Carl Anthony Towns, right? Like he got to mm-hmm. illustrate way more of his offensive game when he got to the pros than Mobley, you know, like he put up good numbers, sixteen points a game, um, eight rebounds. The blocks obviously were there too. Um, almost at three blocks a game, which is something I think will instantly translate. He'll be able to to block and, and defend the rim really well for Cleveland. And um with Allen, like that's with that undersized backcourt and then with Allen, like you got two guys that can really defend the paint, um, which is great if you do want to build around two, two smaller guards. And then um, he was a good playmaker too. So I'm kind of excited. high post like kind of the reads that he'll be able to make with that offense. Um, but yeah, I think he's the kind of talent as a big man, like you said, just the modern big man you want um, someone who can be a two, a great, great two way player. So not only a really good defensive player, but I think he has potential to be a really, really good offensive player too. So, um, a plus for me. Cleveland just did what what they should have done and grabbed the best player available here. And um, all three of these draft picks, I, I think these top three could be one of the best top three for that we've seen for a while.
1: Yeah, I think I think this reminds me a lot of 2019 draft class where you had Zion, Jaw, and RJ, like the teams there and here just took took the best player. Mm-hmm. or at least their view of the best player because you know mobley and jalen green you can make an argument for who should have gone to but each team just took who they thought was going to be the best player so i'm really intrigued to follow all three of these guys careers um what what do you think would make a successful statistical season for for these three prospects so let's start with Cade. like what's a successful statistical season for Cade's rookie year
0: Uh, that's a great question. I think I, you know, want to, you know what I think he can do, which is something that hasn't been done in a while is put up, um, like 25 and five. I think that's something that he could, he could actually do that's that's granted that's going to be on the high side. Um, but that'd be obviously a phenomenally successful year. Um, Jeremy Grant is a great scorer on that team. He showed that. So maybe he won't get as many touches as he needs to kind of hit that number. But I think as a rookie, maybe anywhere between like uh, 15 and 17 points a game, maybe as a number one pick, um, especially going to a team like Detroit, like they need scoring too. I know Jeremy Grant's there, but they it's not like he's going to go to a really like contending team that already has players in place and um, a pecking order, you know, on that offense. Um, so I think anywhere between like maybe 15, 17 a game and, and then you want to see like middle of kind of middle for assist and rebound numbers. Maybe he can get like maybe 15 five and five or, or something like that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be really interesting to see if Cade just actually gets the ball there. Like if they put the ball in his hands, cause they did draft Killian Hayes last year. Obviously I think Cade will Trump that, but it'll be interesting to see how Killian still fits into the picture next to him there. Um, but yeah, I just want to see like if they actually put the ball in his hands there, then yeah, I agree with you. Maybe he can do what like Tyreek Evans did in Sacramento and then LeBron mm-hmm. before him with that 25 and five. Like it's definitely possible. But with Jeremy Grant there, Sadiq Bay, if Killian kind of takes some of that ball handling away from him as well, like we'll see. I I think 15, five and five. If he could do that, I think that's a successful rookie season for him. I'm not gonna Say he should average these crazy numbers. Um, but if he can do that and just advertise everything in his game through that, because what over his stats this year, he averaged 26 and three. So if he can up his assists now, if he's got more responsibility, mm-hmm. um, with the ball handling, which I think he could do, I think you could easily average one and a half more assists per game with the better weapons around you because a lot more time and
0: movement in the NBA, too.
1: Mm-hmm. So I think he could easily up that fifteen five and five. I think that's easily attainable for Cade. And um I just want to see Detroit and like actually put the ball in his hands so. there.
0: Yeah. And I think to touch on your point too, like we haven't seen since Tyreek LeBron. Um, Luke is another guy who did it in oh, yes, years Yeah, yeah. So um just to throw that another name in there. But yeah, like um it all depends obviously on how Detroit uses him. Um if he will be maybe that number one or number two guy, at least in terms of the score, like the scoring maybe numbers won't be as high um, as a guy like Luca. I think he could do the rebounding and the assist numbers for sure. So mm-hmm. I think that'd make a successful year for him. What do you think about a successful year for, for Jalen Green in Houston?
1: Uh, I kind of see Jalen – I could see him having a season like Anthony Edwards did this year. Like 17, 18, maybe hovering just under that 20 points a game. Um because even – I mean, Anthony Edwards is a talented scorer and super athletic as well. You could probably make some close comparisons to him and Jalen Green. But I think for him, you got Kevin Porter Jr. there. John Wall still there. So is Christian Wood. I don't think he's going to average 20. So it's kind of like Ant there in Minnesota because he had D'Angelo Russell and Towns. Um, there's guys there that can put the ball in the bucket already. But, yeah, I think his scoring – I think he could average like 17, 18 a game maybe – maybe a few assists rebounds. Like I wouldn't say more than three, probably of each of those. Mm-hmm. And I'd probably no, I, call, I call that a successful season for, for Jalen.
0: Yeah, no, I think that'd be a great first year from, I think obviously the skill you're going to point to, right. Um, and the stat you're going to point to is going to be the scoring just because that's what he's known for. So mm-hmm. like you said, you can get maybe around the 15 to 17 points a game. Um, if he is in that offensive pecking order, maybe being able to reach 20, we'll see what happens, but I think 15, to 17 points a game and, and a you assists, for your rebounds, like that would be a successful first year for him too. I agree with you.
1: And then Dan, I'll let you take Mobley here since he is with your Cavs. I think out of these three, he might have the lowest statistical numbers, but I don't want to take that away from what his impact could be for that team. But what, what would you say is this like, what would you call a, successful statistical season for Mobley here in his first season in Cleveland.
0: I think a lot of it is going to predicate on and what happens with Kevin Love this offseason. Um, because that's going to dictate whether whether Mobley starts or or is coming off the bench. Um, just because love obviously still gonna pay a lot of money. So um, but I know Cleveland's looking to move him and I don't think they could keep Mobley out of the starting lineup for long, even if Love is there. Just because the, that's kind of impact I think he can have. Um, so I think that'll be interesting around the points. I want to say around maybe like points isn't going to be the thing that Evan, I think is going to be really successful. I think off the gate, you know, Um, I think around like maybe 12 points a game could be successful. Right. Um, I'd love to see the rebounding numbers um, are like seven or eight, maybe. And then um, I think is assists. Numbers if he can maybe throw out like to assist the game just kind of flash that playmaking potential that he has um should be key i think the big one that i want to watch too is to see how the blocks translate if he can average like a block a year in his first year in the nba Mm -hmm. um i'd I'd be thrilled i think with that because that's one of his calling cards um a really good defensive big so i think we're running around like 12 maybe seven eight rebounds to assist something like that could could be a really good year and and like you said, maybe it wouldn't tra- like his his impact on the team wouldn't translate fully to the statistical category in his in his rookie year. But I think that would probably be pretty successful for him.
1: Yeah, I would probably agree with that. I'd say between ten to twelve points a game. I might lower that rebound, uh, maybe just to like five to six i think if he's playing next to jared allen a lot allen mm-hmm. can swoop up a lot of rebounds that's a good
0: but point then that too. would
1: also that would also put him at the four so maybe he has some mismatches there when it comes to getting inside and grabbing some rebounds because he's not actually going up against some of the bigger guys but yeah i i'm not expecting anything crazy for evan for his rookie rookie year numbers and and like you said i i mean maybe maybe you started even with kevin love still there especially with what happened with team usa here and Yeah, organization they're calling him out for showing up not in shape and not ready and so I know he's been on the block for a while but even if he goes into training camp there I know how much money they have invested in him but Mobley's now the future so the money shouldn't matter
0: yeah no I agree with you and I think JB as a coach has always been one to focus on to have his guys earn it so I think if Mobley shows enough in camp I don't know if he's going to play summer league yet I don't think that's been announced yet for any of the rookies um, I'd assume he most likely is if he's healthy cause he is the number three pick. But, um, I mean, Isaac Okoro had to do the last, um, same thing. Sexton didn't start right off the get go. Like he's had, he's, um, JB hasn't been the head coach the whole time, but he's been assistant head coach. Like the rookies that have been coming in have had to earn their starting spot. So I, I'd, I'd expect like Mobley to do, to do that, to like come in and have to earn it. But like you said, if he, if he's shown out in training camp, like I, I bet you're right. I bet Kevin Love doesn't really stay in the way of if Mobley's having a higher impact in, in those team scrimmages and, um, practices and things like that.
1: Oh, this back end of the lottery, what's kind of the fit that you were like really excited about? And then who's kind of this back end prospect out after that top three in that lottery that you're kind of going to be watching there?
0: I think, uh, Book Knight and Charlotte is really intriguing, especially if um, if Malik Monk is on his way out. Um, I think Tara Rozier is still there, but they could have a nice little three-guard rotation with, with LaMelo, Book Knight, and, and Tara Rozier. And so I think and eventually Rozier could maybe be a trade piece or um, let him go down the line. But I think having a guy that can can score on three levels like Book Knight can next to LaMelo, who's a fantastic playmaker, is a, a really great fit. So I thought that was a great pick by Charlotte. Um, I also like Moses Moody a lot at 14 to the Warriors. I think he was a, project, a projected top 10 pick. Um, I know he's young, which a lot of Warriors fans, um, who they took two young prospects here, um, not really the vets. But Moses Moody, I think, at least projects as a solid 3D and guy with some upside in terms of being able to play make off the ball a little bit. So I thought that was a fantastic fit too. And I think um, he could contribute this year just – Maybe in a lower end bench role, but could be playing some nice minutes for them. What about you?
1: I think as far as fit goes, this might be might be strange just because of how many guards are on the roster. But but Jalen Suggs in Orlando. I mean, I think with Fultz getting hurt last year, Cole Anthony is more of a scoring guard. You also have Gary Harris there now. Like here, you actually get this. Like I want to I want to call Jalen a foundational like piece there at that guard rotation
0: I agree with you he is he's a foundational piece in this draft I was kind of surprised he didn't go four, which I think is maybe something you and I can touch on when we when we dive into some of these other picks but yeah I I love the pick by the magic to get Jalen Suggs
1: I I like how they weren't weren't scared just because of what else was on their roster they saw this prospect they loved him And they took him because he was still there. Like you said, there was a lot of people. I think he'd been ESPN during the draft. Their camera panned to Jalen Suggs at four because they thought he was going to go there to Toronto before switching quickly back over to Scotty Barnes, who was the actual selection. So I think Orlando, as soon as they saw him there, they were like, no, we're not going to worry about how many guards we have on our roster. We're going to get this kid because he's defensive minded. He's a playmaker. He's a winner. And I think that's where Orlando needed, because they have a lot of projects on their roster, including Jonathan Isaac, who has unfortunately faced a lot of injuries. So they have a lot of interesting potential players in their recent drafts, Mo Bamba included, where you have intrigue, where I think Jalen is more of like a sure thing. So the magic I've drafted some guys that are like, hmm, what if he turns into this? Like he might take some more time to de- develop. I think Jalen could come in and like make an instant impact. You know, you don't have to wait too long for him to sh- kind of show out there.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think a, a steal in Suggs at five, <laughs> who I have for a long time thought was the fourth best prospect in this class and um, a really, really great point guard. I mean, you can consider Cade, I guess, a point guard too, depending how you're looking at him. But um, Suggs is, Suggs is going to be great, I think, for the Magic. And he'll have a shot if he plays in that starting rotation to to win Rookie of the Year, just because that Magic team's not going to be very good. So, <laughs> um but yeah, I love the pick by um, by the magic there with Suggs. I think they just did the smart thing and like you said, just took the best player available early on in their rebuild here.
1: All right. So so now we kind of touched on it here. So let's just let's just get quickly back into it. So our, our first surprise of the draft was Scotty Barnes. So I know a lot of people are now speculating maybe, maybe Siaka might be on the move. But I'm looking at that roster and I see Fred VanVleet, Gary Trent. OG, Pascal, Scotty. I think one of those three are probably out now because you probably want a bigger guy in that five position. You're not going to run that lineup of those five too often. I know there was some tension there with Pascal and Nick Nurse during the middle of the season. He had to sit a few games. But what was your reaction to Scotty Barnes going to Toronto? Because I thought Jalen Suggs was just like that pure. Kyle Lowry's leaving, here's our replacement for him. And I think a lot of people thought that way as well.
0: No, I, I agree with you. I think it's it's interesting because it almost happened the same thing last year. Granted, um, with his um, other former Florida State alum, Patrick Williams, kind of flew up draft boards to to claim that number four spot. Um, and the thing is, like, Scotty Barnes, like, the hype on him, Look like, at few weeks leading up to draft like it just kept raising and racing and racing like everyone was really really intrigued by this guy's prospect so um I wasn't like incredibly shocked because it had been rumored that they were considering him um but like you said I think Suggs was more of the natural choice there but that might speak on on how the, the Raptors feel about Van Fleet in the full-time guard role or or maybe even a guy like Malachi Flynn who they took last year showed some nice games um granted I don't think like a guy like Suggs just has such a, a high ceiling too. I think it's, it's hard to pass on him, but Scotty Barnes in the wing, um showed some flashed some really great playmaking at, at Florida state last year um, leading his team in the system. I'm pretty sure I'd have to double check that, but um, so if he hits a ceiling, like he can be a great two-way wing player who can, who can create off the dribble and create for his teammates and make his teammates better. So um, I get the intrigue for sure. But um, it definitely was a little bit of a surprise when when it looked like we had this kind of top three solidified, and then the next best guy was Jalen Suggs. So,
1: yeah, I mean, and just to be clear, like I don't think Scotty arriving means Pascal's out. Maybe maybe Toronto sees OG and Anovia, and they're like, maybe he's reached his full potential. So maybe Scotty slides into his spot not immediately here, but maybe in the next year, and OG and finds a way out, but I just think now with this investment here in Scotty Barnes, it's it's kind of hard to see all three of those guys staying on the, the roster there for more than a season or two. Mm-hmm. I think one of them eventually gets moved. Um, you mentioned his playmaking, which I think, I mean, they need more more of because Fred Van Fleet did a lot of it. Gary Harris is more of a scorer, and then then Flynn. You mentioned like he. He was kind of a steal there back in the draft last year. I think he can be a really good plug and play for them to get some of that playmaking responsibility off of Van Fleet's shoulders. So I think it's going to be an interesting fit. They definitely kind of swung high here, but Toronto mm-hmm. has enough talent where I think they can afford that luxury.
0: Yeah, and he kind of fits that Toronto mold too. Like he's a he's an athletic, like lanky, um, tall <laughs> prospect. Like same with Pascal Siakam, same with guys like, um, Chris Boucher. So, um, definitely like fits that mold for Toronto. And I think, I think he'll be, um, he should be good, but it'll be interesting fit to see how things work out for him there. Um, great franchise though. So he's in a good spot. Um, and we'll see how he does, but I think the true real shock here was, because we did touch on Suggs at five already, was, was Josh Giddy at six to the Thunder. So what, were you, what was your reaction watching the draft when, when Giddy went six?
1: I'm going to be honest. I were I, I, I at a lot of mock drafts. I, I did not see this mocked in just, just about any of the ones that I looked at heading up into the draft. So I was very surprised. I understand Oklahoma City's thought process, especially with how many first-rounders they have. They can afford to take a few swings here. I was thinking more maybe a, a Kaminga there, Jonathan Kaminga, I think, because I know some people think he could take some time to develop, but he has a lot of intrigue um, after his season with the G League Ignite. I think if you wanted to kind of get Shea running me, like maybe Davion Mitchell, I think that would have been a little high for him, but maybe they could have traded back. I don't I don't know. I, we'll see how good he does. I think he he's got a... He's got a lot of size. He shows a lot of ball handling capabilities where he looks like he could take some pressure off Shea there. But I just – and it's no slight to Giddy. Like, when we talk about surprises with these picks, like, obviously, it's not slight to the players. It's just not what was expected. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe he shows out. But, yeah, I was – I was kind of shocked. I think if they wanted him, they could have dropped back a few places. I know there were a lot of teams that were calling to move up, but maybe at that point all the players they wanted to move up forward were already gone. So Oklahoma City just had to draft their guy. So I know we saw – it wasn't this high that we saw a surprise like this when the Suns drafted Cam Johnson at 11 overall, I want to say, mm-hmm. around that range. Um, and he wasn't mocked till I want to say, maybe in the 20 range or beginning of second round. So it's we definitely always see a few surprises. We'll see how Giddy does here with this first first season. I know there are gonna be some opportunities there with that Thunder uh, roster. There's also Kemba there. So playmaking wise, maybe he doesn't have to do so much. We'll see how long Kemba actually stays there with Shay, but I don't know if we're gonna be able to see enough out of giddy like i think for for this pick this year it's just going to be like flashes like oh this is why they took him we'll see like stints here and there it's not going to be a big i don't i don't foresee a big statistical season for giddy out the gates here to kind of really justify that pick for the thunder
0: yeah it'll be fascinating to watch because playing with australia i think he averaged um around like 10 8 and 8 or 10 7 and 8 um so he's a 6 8 like kind of point guard almost and Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they throw him out on the wing with Ken Ben Shea or how they use him but he's got a got a really high ceiling and I wasn't expecting him to go this high in the draft I think the absolute highest he was rumored was around seven because the Warriors had some intrigue with him Um, but most mocks had him going to to 10 to to Memphis once they traded up for that pick so um, definitely surprised there, but we'll see how he does. Like you said, he's going to have opportunity in Oklahoma city. They're still early on in their rebuild too. So um, we'll see how that pans out. But um, the next one with the warriors getting Kaminga, I think a lot of people, you know, are going to maybe are split on these picks by the warriors. Cause they, they were trying to get more like ready contributors and not, not draft like young guys to help their core, you know, um, because they still do want to win, win and compete for championships. But I think, it was just smart draft by Bob Myers. Like you just took the best prospect available. Maybe there wasn't a trade right where you were giving up these picks for veteran pieces that you really liked or thought the value was there. So if you're going to stay, just take the best prospect prospect. And I personally did not think Kaminga was going to fall all the way to seven. So I think it was a great pick by the Warriors.
1: Yeah. I think backing it up there with, with Moody too, like at 14, I think you kind of got, I think the Warriors did great with this draft. They also signed, uh, to Corey McLaughlin, undrafted, which we're just giving a personal shout-out here because he's from Dan and I's area here in Tacoma. So we're just going to give that personal shout-out. But I think they just, they really, like, did a great job on draft night on every one of these picks. They, they had two lottery picks. They could afford to take a swing here with Kaminga and then get someone that could maybe provide some more immediate impact in that 3 and D role, like Moody, who you mentioned. But even, even in the undrafted role, they got a backup point guard to Steph now um i know jordan Poole's there as well but yeah i think i think the warriors really did a great job here i think at one of these picks we're gonna see a swing and it makes sense that they do that at the higher selection
0: yeah also love it shout out to jacoree we make the league i think it'll be a, really fun to see what he can do for that golden state team in, the, in a backup bench role. maybe he'll split some time in the league too but props to him for sure um but I want yeah, to see, he, like, a Sean Livingston-type role.
1: I, that, I would <laughs> love that. Like, just come in off the bench, run that offense, the second unit.
0: I think he can do it. It would be great to see what he does. Um, so, I think with Kaminga though, like, he just has a really high ceiling. He's not going to be asked to do a bunch. So, I think he can just kind of stick to the things that he really, he really does well, which is, like, he makes smart cuts with the basket. Um, he can play good win defense. Like, that's – he's not going to be getting a ton of stats. For the Warriors team but he can make his contribution so I think he'll be in less pressure in Golden State which might be the best situation for him to really hit a ceiling because the Warriors are, are a great organization and they've done well developing players and, and prospects so um okay how about number eight Franz Wagner from Michigan to the Magic
1: I think I mean I, I, I saw a lot of I think this was about the range where he like kind of started to go in mocks. Um, I think more so is just a little bit after it, more so than not. But like he's a shooter. I think the Magic kind of like I said, they have they have a lot of intriguing prospects who need work or development time. I think Wagner and and Suggs, you kind of know what you're going to get out of these guys. So Wagner's going to come in like help space the floor, and so. We saw flashes of Mobamba at the end of last season after Grusevich finally got out of there. So I think I think Wagner is definitely going to come in and just be kind of that floor spacer for the team, maybe help with, like, a little bit of the playmaking responsibilities. But, I mean, I don't want to dive too much into each one of these guys, but I was kind of surprised to see, see the Magic take them. But I'm looking at the rest of these players here that were – Chosen after and Davion Mitchell, another guard, Book Knight, another guard. So, if they wanted a little more size there, and Wagner, who he kind of has that like guard forward attachment to him, and he's six nine So, I think it makes sense. I think he'll come in and just he kind of will already kind of have a set role for him. He averaged only 12 points a game in college. If he turns into like a Joe Harris type player, maybe or maybe. Corey Kistburt was kind of more of that Joe Harris um, comparison. Maybe Wagner can provide a little more playmaking um, than those guys, but yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not really too sure what, th- what to think of it. Uh, I think the pick kind of made sense as far as positional need, especially with Isaac facing some injuries there um, on the wing side. So I think he's, he's, I think he'll be a solid player.
0: Yeah. No, I agree with you. Like you said, if, if they were going for a win, like the only other guy I probably would have looked at was, was Moody who can also play guard forward. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think Wagner's going to bring, like you said, kind of like the three and D energy um, maybe flash a little bit of playmaking. So um, I think, yeah, you said it. He'll, I think he'll be a solid player for the magic and picking that number eight. Um, you know, you're, you're not always going to get stars. It doesn't matter in the lottery. Right. So if he turns out to be a solid pro. Good pick for the Magic. Um, moving down to number nine, um, Davion Mitchell, which to me, this was a surprise just because of Halliburton and um, Darren Fox already on the roster. So this was definitely a surprise to me to see the Kings grab them. Um, they've been able to develop guards, obviously, because these are the other two guys are already have shown great flashes um, early on in their careers. And I think Mitchell, after the year he had, and be a good pro but this was definitely a surprise for me at nine to see him go to Sacramento just because of the roster
1: yeah I did, I did not expect this um, at all I guess if we're going to talk about who was left maybe that's what made them decide to make this pick they just want to take best player available they want to take hard workers I know Mitchell's on a little bit on the older side as well um, as far as these draft prospects come out uh, but Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to look at the rest of of the lottery here, and and it's a lot of guards. So, I mean, maybe that's why they just took the best one available there. But I was really shocked, like you said. I I don't know how often we're going to be able to see a Fox Halliburton Mitchell lineup kind of have success there, especially defensively. And I know Mitchell's, like, projected as a really good defender. But when he's going to be tasked with guarding the guys that are – I mean, he's only six one. so if he's your best defender out there next to Fox and Halliburton, it's just going to be – you're going to be running a lot of sides in favor of the
0: opposing teams. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, maybe it was best prospect available because, again, he had a really productive college year, really great last year, obviously leading Baylor to a championship. So um, I do think he's going to be a solid pro. It just was a surprise to see him go to Sacramento as far as the team fit. Um, the other one that really shocked me, and Ben, I'll let you speak on it first, but um, tell me about the Grizzlies pick at 10, <laughs> Zaire Williams.
1: Yeah, a little, little chuckle there from you, the and I think, you know, we, this kid had so much hype coming out of high school, and then he just had kind of – he had just some struggles adjusting in the college game, it looked like, especially shooting-wise. Like, his percentages just were not – Really reminiscent of someone who could make that transition to the pros, especially because that's all the pros are right now. Like it's shooting, shooting, shooting. You're seeing big men like Stephen Adams and Dwight Howard try to develop three-point shots so they can stay in the league and remain productive. Now, so if you can't shoot, it's it's gonna be a big knock on you. But I I guess the the Grizzlies saw it and were like, hey, we believe in the talent of this kid because he was coming out of high school when we're looking at these prospects. Like he was one of the top prospects in his high school class
0: Mm -hmm. no you're right
1: so i think they just they're banking on talent and and that kind of reminds me of of the celtics with jalen brown where he went to cal he had really struggled shooting the ball there like especially from deep so maybe memphis sees that and they're like hey like we can work on that we can develop him we can make that shooting just a one year kind of null on his record so I think talent-wise, you can definitely justify that pick. But as far as where his stock was at, like, leading into the draft, I think that's also a selection that could have probably been made in the 20 range. So, like, if he hits his talent, we're going to look back on this draft and be like, oh, no, like, how do you even get to 10 maybe? Mm -hmm. But on draft night, they probably could have afforded to maybe see if they could wait a little bit, trade back. but. They got their guy, clearly. Um, and we'll see if he can get over those shooting struggles because that's going to be a big thing for him is being able to space the floor there for Jaw.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And I think Sire Williams, like, if he hits, he can be a great two-way player. And uh, it's been Memphis needs kind of more wing contributors, too. Like, Dylan Brooks was solid in that guard spot next to Jaw, um, But outside of that, like, Memphis really does need a productive wing. So we'll see what happens with – with how Zara Williams plays out for Memphis there. Um, we did touch on, on book night a little bit. Any other thoughts you want to throw about him and the fit to Charlotte?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, one thing is just because of some of these other picks here in, in Wagner and giddy, that kind of high book Knight slid a little bit. So Charlotte stopped that slide. I think, like you said, we'll see what happens with their Rosier, but I'm, I'm excited to see him there in Charlotte. So I don't have much to add to you. I think I think the kid probably should have gone higher than eleven, but I think next to Lamelo there, he's going to be a lot of fun to watch.
0: Yeah, agreed. Um, all right, so I know we keep saying there's this was a surprise, this was a surprise, this was a surprise, but the biggest surprise of the night had to be Joshua Primo to the Spurs at twelve. And for some, um, for some who don't know, he was a, a point guard, played for Alabama. Um, 6'6", six, six, like 190. But a lot of player, team mocks didn't even have him in the first round. Maybe if he was first round, he was late first round. Like, I don't want to knock the Spurs just because of the success they've had developing talent and, and hitting on picks, even if they have been for late first rounders. But this was a shock to see him see him go twelve.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm seeing numbers here of eight points a game, three rebounds while shooting 43% from the field. So like you said, I mean, there have been rumblings of DeJounte Murray, so maybe they wanted to grab a guard that they believed in to kind of step in maybe in the future here. But, yeah, I mean, I think as far as earlier in the draft, there were surprises. I think Williams was the one surprise where you're like, okay, this is kind of a little high. Giddy wasn't too too much of a reach. Like you said, you saw some going at 8 or 10 there in mocks. But, but Primo here, I like you said, it's the Spurs. We'll give them, like, the benefit of the doubt here. Yeah. We'll give Pop and the Spurs the benefit of the doubt to pick the guy because, I mean, Lonnie Walker, Keldon Johnson, all these picks here they've had, late of lottery, even to Johnson Murray in the 20 range. Like, they've done a really good job developing these guys into just, like, solid players. We'll see how any of them turn into stars. Keldon Johnson's getting some good experience here running with Team USA right now. But – Yeah, I mean, I just – I think with Primo there, it's going to be interesting with Derek White, DeJounte still there. So, I don't know if we're going to see – and even Lonnie Walker plays some guard for him. I know he can play forward as well. So, it's kind of a backlog right now as far as the Spurs go. So, we'll see what happens when he gets to run. But I would say probably wait a few years maybe to see if this pick is actually – um what maybe some people graded it on draft night because i'm sure some some of these experts were harsh with the grade there for for joshua primo Mm -hmm. but i think we're gonna have to wait a few years here to see that if it really paid off for the spurs and they they were right in this selection
0: yeah and we'll preface this by saying um draft night grades are going to be different compared to grades you look at down the road. So yeah, uh, just yeah. cause Primo was a shock, you know, made Spurs know something we don't and he turns out to be a great point guard. Um, so we'll see. Um, good for him though. I mean, he got to jump in the lottery, got a nice bag. So um, good for Primo. And Ben, since we did talk about talk about Moody um, quite a bit already with 14, let's finish up the lottery here in our breakdown, just by talking about uh, Chris Duarte from, from university of Oregon going to the Pacers at 13. Yeah, I've
1: seen, I've seen a lot of mocks there comparing him to a KCP type with Indiana. I think sliding there next to Brogdon, I think you could have like a really, really good fit. You're going to provide a lot of spacing there for Sabonis, which will be nice. With um, He also flashed some playmaking ability, some one-on-one scoring. His his stock kind of, kind of flew up here, I think, especially back end of the year. Um, that little tourney run that Oregon had and then – it looked like he did really well in his workouts. But, yeah, I mean, I, I thought um, – I thought I saw him kind of going maybe just sneaking in the lottery, like maybe the Warriors were going to grab him, but maybe after that I was kind of surprised to see Indiana snag him there. But I I like the fit. I think I think he's going to be a solid player for him. I don't know um, – I don't want to say star, but, like, if he can have a career like a Casey Few, who a lot of – like, who people were comparing him to – I would love to have that at pick pick thirteen there, and I think Indiana would as well,
0: yeah, like you said, I think Duarte can just be a solid player, he's definitely on the older age and um in terms of draft prospects go, so if you're looking for a guy who can come in and contribute from day one, I think um Duarte's your guy, like he should be solid for indiana who who's really always been a competitive basketball team, so I'm sure they'll be competitive again and and like he said maybe by thirteen they were just looking for someone who could come in and and help make an impact on on chasing that playoff spot again so um overall i think that's i think it's a solid pick i don't think you can go wrong um but we'll see how all these guys pan out Um, but it was an exciting draft westbrook traded early on um from the wizards to the lakers um lakers gave up kuzma harrell kcp um, but i believe it was the 22nd pick in the draft and maybe some future picks as well what do you what are your initial thoughts about the trade, Russell going to the Lakers?
1: Well, we I mean, we said surprise as far as some of the draft order here goes out, especially after four quite a bit. But, man, this was a shocker, especially with the news from Adrian Wojnarowski about that putty heel trade almost, almost being completed. And then just Shams there comes out with this Westbrook news, and that just gets done, like, in an instant. So I think star power – is what L.A. was going for. Buddy Heald seemed to make a little more sense fit-wise, but then Russ, if LeBron were to leave the floor, Buddy Heald and Anthony Davis out there is not going to make as big of an impact as far as making his teammates better as he does when Russ and Anthony Davis are out there running together. So Mm -hmm. I think that's maybe what the Lakers were leaning with, where it's like, what's this look like with LeBron off the floor? Because he did have some ankle injuries there to end the year. And then Anthony missed some time, so I think they just want another star here. Reliable Russ is an Iron Man. He's gonna he's gonna take a lot of pressure off LeBron. I would not be surprised to see LeBron kind of play more off ball than we've seen uh, in his career. I think I think LeBron would honestly love to coast. Say hey, Russ, here's the ball. Like go go run with AD. And let's Help us get, get a nice
0: regular season seed. <laughs>
1: exactly, exactly. Let's get to the playoffs and let's take care of business. So now we have some two. We have two major big threes with Brooklyn and Kyrie, KD, and Harden, and now Westbrook, AD, and LeBron. The fit will be interesting spacing wise, but I think they're going to make some moves here to kind of try to counteract that, especially with AD if he plays the five. If AD can play the five, they can get kind of a spacer three or four there depending on where LeBron wants to play and then a spacing two since they had to ship out KCP in this trade maybe Caruso can play that and just play that kind of spacing two and so maybe they just have to fill kind of one spot I know they're they're pretty tight now budget financially and then so they're going to have to take some swings and I know they've already done that with some undrafted rookies but I mean it's definitely going to be fun I mean Russell back in LA like after going to college at UCLA so I think I think, I, I think LeBron, it's, it's good for LeBron's longevity. We'll see how it fits as far as like their success this season, especially in playoffs because Russell always can win in the regular season. But in the playoffs, his shooting numbers have always kind of dipped down. And I know that does it for most players. Like most players in the, in the playoffs are going to shoot worse than they did in the regular season. It's just a harder game. But as far as when it comes down the line, the spacing will be interesting. But I, I think Russ is a winner. Like, you saw that in that year KD left. Like, what he did with that team to average triple-double for the first time since Oscar to take them to the playoffs, like, that in my mind made Russ, like, a winner. Like, what he and Brad did at the end of this year to flip that Wizards team around and make the playoffs, like, the the guy just has an impact on the team he goes to. So, I'm really excited about it. I was blown away especially i think more so just because that buddy heel trade looked just about done Mm -hmm. but man the lakers they're really gonna they're gonna go for it so i I know lebron appreciates it here at the back end he's not got a franchise that's complacent there um they're not worried about the rest of their future they're gonna go for it and pay that luxury tax and It's definitely going to be, it'll be interesting to see how it works, but I I see a lot of fun with AD and Russ when LeBron has to take a breather. So maybe LeBron's not playing like 36, 37 minutes a night. He can maybe get back down to 30, especially in year, year what? 18, 19 now? 19 now. yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think it's great for LeBron's longevity here and he can get some really productive seasons to, in the back end of his career where Russ just helps take a lot off his plate.
0: Yeah, like you said, I mean, just Russ is going to ease that playmaking load, which LeBron has really had to carry ever since he did get to L.A. Um, so I think bringing a guy like Russ, who is just a phenomenal playmaker, is going to ease that burden for him and and hopefully extend his career um, these last couple of years while, while he is in the league, hoping to see LeBron obviously play productive basketball until he retires. <laughs> um, but like you said, I think Rob, just Polinka swinging for the fences and, and not being afraid to kind of go all out while he knows this title window is open. So the rumors are that um, AD and LeBron met with Russ to, to kind of talk down and, and break down the fit and, and kind of going after this. So if all guys buy in, I don't see why this wouldn't work. Um, the only thing I'm concerned about is I think, um, like you said, it's going to be great for the regular season playoffs. It will be interesting to see how the spacing is really affected because it's, the game slows down there and, we do have to make like see if these guys can can all hit those hit those shots and have the space they need to operate um, down the end of the games because um, I mean LeBron's definitely improved his three point shot down the line uh, or down in his career he's he's always been able to hit clutch shots but AD um, has also been able to expand his game to three but then Russ has never really been a consistent three point shooter I think for his career he's hovering around thirty percent so if teams maybe will be doubling off of him to to go to LeBron or AD and just waiting for Russ to be on the outside. Like they'll have to figure out ways to combat that. And like you said, it'll be interesting to see how they round out this roster and complement these three guys. But in terms of star power and, and it's swing for the fences and playmaking, like the ceiling for this, for this big three is, is obviously incredibly high. Like they could win a championship together, but um, it, was, it was a shocker. I didn't think this was even in the <laughs> remotely possibility for the Lakers. So them um it's box office though like it'll be fun to watch
1: (laughs) oh yeah la and russ that's going to be perfect it's going to be a perfect fit as far as that goes we'll see on the basketball court but la and russ is going to be a lot of fun
0: yeah so well that's going to wrap up our episode for you guys breaking down the 2021 draft, um talking about the top three obviously super exciting top three picks and then um the huge huge russell westbrook trade to the los angeles lakers um then I will be back um, next to kind of break down some more trades that have happened um, and kind of preview maybe some summer league and, and for agency for you guys. So uh, stay tuned for future episodes, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And this is the pickup.